Saying goodbye to Owlbear and the Grat has left Octavia emboldened in her journey. But how much longer will they have to go before reaching Montagnan? What awaits them there? And can somebody get Carhoon a massage already? Homeboy's looking stressed. Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. I'm Gwyneth, your resident Asimar druid, Octavia Marguerite Sinclair. And I'm Austin, your resident dungeon master. If you like what you hear in the next hour or so, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. The best way for us to grow is by you sharing us with your friends, so please do just that. This week, we want to let you all know that we worked with the blog D&D Duet to write two interview-style articles. The first is about how we got into playing D&D one-on-one, and the second is about our homebrewed world and some tips about if you're wanting to start your own one-on-one campaign. So go take a look at them on D&D Duet's website, dndduet.com. Well, folks, we have a third host with us today. You could call it our uh, first guest appearance, if you will. But we are joined today by the one, the only, the incomparable Pancake Gamble Jarvy. Oh, hey! Ah, crowd noises. She's a bit bit mic shy, so she probably won't <laughs> speak up too much, but uh, she will be here watching and silently judging us. <laughs> so true. Pancake oh, is man. our cat. Yes. One of our, our other cats, uh, for those of you who do not know. We have already talked about Frying Pan, our other cat. She is sitting on my lap right now as I record this, so <laughs> it's good to have you on the show, Pancake. <laughs> She's such a good one. Before we get started, you m- listeners may have noticed in the past two episodes that our music has been slightly different. We have transitioned from using Sirenscape for our music to Tabletop Audio. Tabletop Audio was better suited to the needs of this podcast, so we are happy to be using them currently. The other thing I wanted to get to before we get rolling is... <laughs> rolling. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> over the past... You're, you're very punny. Over the past few evenings this week, I have been sitting down at night before I go to sleep with the good old player's handbook, refreshing myself on the rules, because I think over the past few episodes, we're still defining what the what the identity of this show is, and I think we both have sort of come to the realization that we want to, we like a little bit of that crunch, a little bit of the mm-hmm, rules, mm-hmm. and the the mechanical aspects of this game, and we want to do that and do it justice, so I've been trying to refresh myself on the rules. I will note, uh, we did get the moonbeam point of origin wrong, you cannot yeah. do that in the sky, it has to be on the ground, so... Just so as y'all knows. And the other thing that I wanted to do is let me actually grab the handbook right now. Ooh. School time! Well, not not school time, but I actually want to get a few numbers from you. Sure, yeah. Uh, so one thing I want to know is what is your... So we, we don't want to... I don't want to get too deep in the weeds mm-hmm. of tracking encumbrance and whatnot. Oh, yeah. That's a good call. So encumbrance is actually a variant rule 
Oh, really? The overall rule as defined in the player's handbook is relatively forgiving. Mm-hmm. So what is your strength score? Ten. Ten. So that means... I should give everything to Harcoon. Wow. Carhoon. Wow. <laughs> uh, sorry. I should give everything to Carhoon. What is Carhoon's strength? Nineteen. But yeah, he, he needs he's a strong he, boy. He's gonna pull a Lydia and carry he's all my burdens. So your carrying capacity is fifteen times your strength score. So Octavia can comfortably carry one hundred and fifty pounds. Okay. And Carhoon can comfortably carry two hundred and eighty-five pounds, which that's high enough that we should not have to worry about it. But okay. we will see. Well, if I ever the pick up thing, a couple dwarven shields or anything i can't just you know carry around a couple plates of armor if i find them (laughs) this is true uh i also want to figure out what your push drag and lift capacity is that's fun so you can push drag or lift a weight in pounds up to twice your carrying capacity what so i could drag like 300 pounds or push 300 you pounds you could drag push or lift for short periods 300 pounds ah apparently. dang octavius i mean keep in mind that i'm just imagining her having a shirt on and just like flexing and it you know ripping <laughs> well see that's Funny, but Carhoon. I mean, th- I mean, yeah, exactly. If she's can swole. push, pull, or lift almost six hundred. Oh pounds. my gosh, she's a beast. Okay, I wanted to get that. The other thing I wanted to check is, I do not use passive checks enough. Okay, and I feel like I could. So the only one that is really going to come into handy is passive perception. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what is your perception modifier, and what is Carhoon's? My perception modifier is a plus five. Okay. And Carhoon's would be his wisdom would be a plus zero. Oh, uh, plus two. So, 12 total? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and then mine would be 15. Cool, cool, cool. And you have 29 hit points, correct? Correct. And Carhoon has 26? Correct. Cool. All right, that's all. That's all. I just Alrighty. wanted to get some numbers before we before we jump in because I like numbers. <laughs> and I you like are a I like the mathematician rule. to a point. Well, I'm a chemist, but I have a minor in math. There you go. Way more with numbers. Well, I mean, I am a tax attorney, so you are a tax attorney. <laughs> yeah, you can deal with the expenses and squalid lifestyle versus yeah, that, you know, <laughs> that rich lifestyle, totally. that sort of stuff. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. <laughs> is this is this a benefit? Do I have to count this as income? <laughs> <laughs> is this tax deductible? Are you a charity? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. So I just wanted to to get that off the handle right off the top. That sounds so. good. That's also like scary when you're asking about passive perception because you're like, what are you gonna throw at me that I may or may not perceive? Well, I, I I may or may not have plans currently, but I'm sure it will come up eventually in mm-hmm. the future. So Sounds good, my love. All right. So we can, with that crunchy peanut butter right off the top, <laughs> we can come in and start. It only took a jiffy, you know. 
my gosh. <laughs> Get out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get out. We're done here. Sometimes it's funny to just let you laugh and see how long you're going to go. I can go a long time because it's terrible. I sometimes think I'm hilarious, which I really shouldn't because my jokes are awful. But sometimes I'm just like, that's a good one. Well, when we last left our fateful, faded heroes, you and Carhoon had had an interesting encounter with the Grat. Mm-hmm. The, the Goat Riders of Absalon's Tale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty pretty great. The best group. Oh, my gosh. I was... This is a little bit of trivia for those of you who want to peek behind the screen. I was telling Gwyneth after we played that session that um, the idea for the Grat came from a couple different places. I told her I stole the naming convention unashamedly from uh, the Resistance in Future Man on Hulu, which I've been watching recently. <laughs> um, but I'm sure they stole... I'm, I'm sure naming your characters after animals is not original to them, but... That is what had been in my mind. And then the actual idea for them and and the name came from the Gwosim from the Redwall books, the Gorilla Union of Shrews and Mossflower. So That takes us real far back. That's a that's a pretty man, that's like it's a deep cut, yeah. Mm. I love that book. So that if if anyone cares about that sort of thing, a little bit of DM trivia for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you had an interesting encounter with them. They helped you out and sort of showed you the way closer to the cursed city of Montignon. Mm -hmm. And when they left you, they gave you a horn that that could summon them if you should ever find yourself in need in the region of Absalom's Tale. And they told you the way to go and that you should probably expect to reach the city by nightfall of the next day. So you and Carhoon are very close. The two of you had gone to to sleep, made your camp mm -hmm. uh, at different times. Someone's keeping watch. Uh, but Carhoon had seemed a bit fidgety and he's been anxious the past couple of days as you've gotten closer and closer to the city mm -hmm. and to what lies outside and inside. Mm. So, you come back, it is a quiet night in the foothills of Absalon's tail. It's a clear night, the stars are shining brightly above you, but you don't know this because you are asleep right now. <laughs> and as you are sleeping, you have your dream again. Okay. Oh, wait, which same dream? Same dream from episode one. Oh, holy cow. Where you are in the cavern with the dragon statue and the sword. Oh my gosh. And the eyes of an orc staring back at you from the reflection in the ruby in the sword's handle. <gasps> oh my gosh. I had mentioned at that point you had had that dream for a while and it had happened, you know, off and on over the past few, few years. And you have it again this night. And so just as before, as you look into the ruby and see the eyes of this other creature that is not you staring back, you uh, bolt awake, probably sweating, breathing heavily. Oh my gosh. And uh, Carhoon sort of snaps his head over to look at you as you jolt upright in your little bedroll. I mean, Octavia probably doesn't say anything because, I mean, when you wake up from a nightmare, you're kind of 
you know, disoriented and, and terrified and don't know where you are. So, I mean, Octavia is mm. probably just sitting there looking around trying to, like, gain her bearings, which there are really no bearings to gain because she's in the middle of nowhere and it's not like, oh, you know, I'm at home, I recognize my dresser and <laughs> my window and things that orient you when you have nightmares at home. So it probably takes her a while to to kind of figure out what was reality and what was this dream. And so she's probably sitting there kind of like, you know, gasping and, and trying to figure out <laughs> what is going on. Carhoon takes a step toward you. He says, what is wrong? What happened? Nothing happened per se. Um, it, it was a bad dream. It's, I've, I've had them f- since I was young. It, it's been... A while since I've had this one lately, though, uh, I kind of had thought that I'd grown out of it, you know, when kind of grown out of it and left it with when I was a kid. Uh, I, it, it was just it was just a bad dream. It was just a bad dream. And we are awake. We're both awake. You're awake. Carhoon, I'm awake and I'm sitting here and this is this is the reality. This is and we are a day from Montignon. That's what we're doing. And, and, and this is where we are. And, and and this is solid. And she like pat, she like, you know, makes a fist and like pounds the ground next to her, kind of like feeling feeling the the pressure against the earth, like feeling that this is real, type of thing. Mm-hmm. He says, "In my experience, such dreams are rarely just dreams." But what did you see? Octavia is quiet for a minute because she's never told anyone about these nightmares before, not even Celia, when, you know, hearkening back to that episode, um, you know, Celia wanted Octavia to go see her friend uh, in mm-hmm. the temple. I forget what the what the kid's name was, the young acolyte. Yeah, young Oren. So um, Octavia's never really told anyone it, it, the details of this dream, but she feels that kind of that there's no point in concealing anything from Carhoon. Carhoon knows things about her and knows things about Carastus and Octavia's relationship with Al Absalon that no one else knows. And it's a bizarre new kind of friendship. Um, but she feels there's no really point in keeping secrets from him at this point. Um, cause you know, they're, they're risking their lives together and, and concealing things will, would not behoove them when their lives are on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so she'll tell him the dream goes the same way. I don't awake per se. I just find myself in a room you know, clad as I always am. Before me is the massive statue of a dragon's head. Marble. It's beautiful. Uh, awe-inspiring but horrifying as only I can imagine a dragon would actually be. And every time, every time, it feels as though I have the choice of what to do, but I always do the same thing. I approach the dragon and I lift a hand to the dragon's head and upon its nose is a small indent which, when pressed unhinges the massive jaw of this beast. And this sounds crazy, 
a sword comes out of its mouth and I take it? I have never wielded a sword. The most of weapons I use is my grandmother's staff. But I hold this sword in my hand, and it's beautiful. Obviously, well-crafted. It was not just made by, you know, some farmer who had taken a plow and turned it into a weapon. This, was a, this is a fine weapon. And there is a ruby adorning it. And I look at this ruby, and at first I see myself. But every time, every time, as I am looking into this gem, my own visage changes. And at this time, at this point, Octavia is very uncomfortable and kind of realizes, you know, you know, when you're telling someone a secret and you get halfway through and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually telling this to someone for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. She kind of like takes a step back and like realizes what she's saying, but she's gotten enough momentum that she's going to keep going. But she looks down because it's embarrassing and she's kind of ashamed. And she says, my face turns into that of a monster. And that is, it is not just a monster looking at me. My own reflection is a monster. And then I wake up. Carhoon is silent for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then he asks you, what does this sword look like? Gwyneth, as a player, doesn't exactly know. Um, I described the sword to him. Please cut out my ignorance and remembering the features of no, things no, on our own okay. podcast. <laughs> Just no, that's that's cool. Just say you uh, you described the sword to him. I described. <clears throat> no, like not not whispering. Okay, um, Octavia will describe the sword to him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Sorry, tell, I can say what it looks no, like. No, no, I just no, totally no. forgot. That's okay. That's okay. that was four, third, eleven episodes, ten episodes ago. Uh, eleven episodes ago. Oh yeah, it was, I feel like it was a while ago. I can't count. So Octavia will go into you know describing what the what the sword looks like and you know how it felt, the balance and everything you know in her hands and things like that. Hmm. Feel like we must get to Montignon as soon as possible. Do you do you know something? Does the is this weapon ringing a bell to you? I mean, you're a scholar. You are you are much more well read than I. Is is does do you recognize this weapon? I do not know, but something about this whole situation strikes me as not coincidental. What does it make you think of? Or you, you may not be sure, but it's seeming as though it's at least ringing a bell. What's your gut telling you? My gut is telling me that it is late and we have a long journey ahead of us and that we should get some rest. Octavia nods, but she's like, You're not telling me something. This is not cool. Like, hmm. But she doesn't want to push him, so... She'll hunk. So, yeah, she'll hunker back down because I'm assuming they'll continue the same watch cycles that mm-hmm. they had before. So, mm-hmm. 
Not that, okay. you know, she's not going to be able to really fall asleep again. She'll make the, she'll go through the motions of sleeping because it seems as though that's something that Carhoon wants, you know, to kind of return to a state of normalcy and, and not mm-hmm. continue discussion about what, what the weapon could be. But, you know, she'll lie down, but she's not going to fall back asleep. So you're saying you don't take a long rest? <laughs> Flavorfully, she doesn't fall back asleep, maybe for like a while longer. <laughs> so the the rest of the night passes. And morning comes upon you yet again, mm-hmm. cresting over the landscape. And the, the beams hit your face and shake you out of your half-asleep kind of groggy stupor. Mm-hmm. Carhoon is similarly tense and antsy as he had been the night before, and he says little as the two of you break your camp and uh, continue moving on. You know that you are about a day out from your goal. You should expect, barring any significant setbacks, to reach it around nightfall today. Oh, that's crazy. After all this time, after so many miles, like, oh, oh, that's exciting. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But... With that excitement is also tempered by the fact that you saw an army get out of Grundikov and apparently a contingent heading in the same direction as you ahead of you. Sorry, uh, kind of not out of character, but um, is there any communication between Montignon and any of the other cities? As far as you would know, not really. Okay, because so there would basically... It's largely been cordoned off ever since the curse was awakened. Triggered. So there wouldn't have really have been any way that Octavia could have sent uh, a little owl messenger to, she would have had to have sent it either to Elystria or to, to like Ansel again, to then have someone in those cities send a, send a message to Montignon about the army. Is that something that she could have done or could do this morning as they're breaking camp? Um, I mean, if you sent a messenger, it would take them at least a day or two moving expediently through the air yeah. to get to Lake Ansel, and then it would take however long to get another message out. Ow. And by that time, you're confident, I mean, the army's probably Close almost there, yeah. if not there already. Okay, okay. That's what I figured, um, since I think the winged messengers can, what, do 50 miles in a day, so... Something like that? Yeah. Okay, just wanted to double check. The day slowly passes with a little fanfare. It's full of tedious marching through this base of the mountains, navigating these craggy and rocky areas, and being on constant guard for danger. During this day and this trek, do you say anything or do anything of note? Probably not. Octavia is very aware of Carhoon's being uncomfortable, and with him having revealed that he was there when the Tome of Belvedra was discovered, she's, you know, sensitive to the fact that he's been intimately involved with kind of what happened to this city 
um, and potentially even some of his fellow scholars or fellow colleagues were caught up in the curse when it was unleashed. And so she's trying to be respectful of that um, and, and, and kind of be comforting in the way that she knows how, but she's kind of awkward, so she doesn't really know what to say. She's like, I wish I were a bard so I could, like, encourage him and whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's probably either trying to encourage him or just being understandingly silent and not engaging him in kind of like meaningless chit chat about look at that cardinal that just flew by (laughs) 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 or whatever. Okay. Throughout this day, uh, it's, it's the tension is increasing. You can almost feel it in the air as, as you're getting closer and closer, knowing that you're close to this, this goal that you've had for the past several days, mm-hmm. but you're not even entirely sure why you're going mm-hmm. to the city. You're not sure what awaits you there. You're not sure how you're going to, to get in or navigate, but. You're almost there, and that is exciting. Mm-hmm. Along the way, Octavia will ask Carhoon, uh, sorry if I've asked this already, but um, the Chapel of Scales, do you know exactly what it is in the city that that building is? Do you know where in the city that it correlates to? So you ask Carhoon this, he says, I know of it. It was discovered. Uh, Deep within the mountain, a hidden vestibule, the floor tiled with multicolored tiles, much like a dragon scales, which is where it gets its name. As far as I know, they found nothing of significance within it, but we must be going there for some reason. So I'm not intimately acquainted, but I am generally familiar with its whereabouts. Well, that will at least be a place to start knowing, you know, where within the city... (laughs) We'll need to go. So darkness begins to fall as the day starts to meld into the night, and your feet are probably sore, mm-hmm. and your your back is strained from carrying your your equipment and your your uh, that's less provisions. than one hundred fifty pounds. Less than one hundred and fifty pounds, <laughs> and you begin to approach the the cursed city. As the last dregs of sunlight begin to pour back behind the horizon, you emerge out onto a small ledge that overlooks a more flattened region of the foothills. Mm-hmm. And in the dusky, dim light with the oranges and pinks of the sunset uh, behind you, you can see in front of you a glow off in the distance of campfire or torchlight. You cannot make out any details of the city from this distance, but you can make out that uh, these these lights are sort of arrayed in a massive circle behind a set of sturdy walls that encircle the city beyond, which you would guess stretches up into the mountains beyond. In front of this sort of where you can see the city, you can see dotting the landscape beyond it, are hundreds of little smaller campfire lights arrayed in a semicircle around where you can see the light from the city is pouring out mm-hmm. and you would guess that the monster horde is there and waiting at the gates oh my gosh 
from... Uh-oh. I heard a dice <laughs> roll. <laughs> You're standing on this ledge, and the terrain around you has been rocky and craggy. There's a few interspersed, you know, fir trees and some, some scraggly underbrush mm-hmm. rock formations and boulders and whatnot. And from behind you, off to your left, you sense some movement. Subtly. The, the shifting of a branch. What do you do? From behind us. From behind you. Octavia will whirl around and quietly, you know, under her breath, say to Carhoon, I hear something and I don't think it's just my imagination this time. Mm-hmm. Carhoon whirls around as well, tense, ready. And whatever is in these bushes sensing that it's cover has been blown steps out okay from behind several of the boulders and sprouting up from the ground emerging from this scraggly underbrush several tall muscular figures step out weapons at the ready and you immediately recognize these creatures as orcs there are five of them in total and then another, who looks to be in charge, standing directly now in front of you. They snarl with their jutting teeth as they point their their weapons in your direction, pointing them at you and Carhoon, and the one in charge says, Well, if it ain't the ones headed north from the lake, not the most inconspicuous pair, are you? But we can't have you interfering with anything. Hope you've enjoyed the scenery around these parts. It'll be the last you see. And I'm going to need you to roll some initiative. All right! Uh, Octavia rolls a 14. Okay. And Carhoon rolls a 18. Oh, Kali, Dokali. And sorry, how many orcs are there again? There's one in the front who talked to us, and how there many? There are... Five orcs and one in charge, so six total. Six total. Six total. Six orcs. Is is a group of orcs like a a, a murder of orcs? A smork of orcs. A smork of (laughs) orcs. That's amazing. (laughs) So, the leader stepped up, said these things to you, and... Drew back his great axe menacing. Oh made. gosh. Bum, 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 bum. Let's go. So, car hoon. Car to the hoon. Hoon <laughs> to the car car. Car, car, hoon. <laughs> Why did we not name the earlier episode where we introduced him these things? Car, car, hoon, hoon? <laughs> or something. Something, one of those something things like you that? just said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that would have been pretty good. Alright, so, Carhoon is up first okay. with an 18. Okay. So tell me what he does. He is probably going to draw his great axe since we had been traveling through the mountains. I doubt that he had it in his hands since it was kind of difficult terrain, so he would have needed to have his hands free to kind of hike. So he is going to pull his gray axe out. He probably keeps it sheathed on his back or something else cool like that because he's a cool guy. Um, And so he is going to uh, bring his gray axe in his hands and 
Tell me about charging. Can uh, is charging something that a character can do if they don't no. have that ability? Okay. Nope. Okay. Not in fifth edition. Okay. Well, he is in, in any case going to rush to this leader of the orc band that is directly in front of us and rush towards him and swing at it with the great axe. Okay. Ooh, he rolls a 13 to hit. A 13 to hit is not a hit. Yeah. This orc is arrayed in a decent set of chainmail with a large steel helmet set upon its head and it snarls and laughs. (laughs) It is your turn. All right. Octavia is going to look to the heavens and is going to bring down from the domain of Saloon, from the from the evening, from the moon, a moonbeam upon these orcs. <laughs> and she is okay. going to call it down um, upon... Let's see. How large is Moonbeam? I was just double checking that. It is a five foot radius. I'm just trying to see if I can get two bad guys. I think you have perfectly apportioned them that I can't get any two in one hit. Huzzah. But she is going to bring it down upon the leader. Uh, so as an action, Octavia calls that moonbeam down upon the orc in charge. And then as a bonus action, she is going to imbue her staff with divine power. Shillelagh? Correct. Yes, sir. You do that. Would you like to move at all? Thankfully, no one's really adjacent to me. She'll maybe like back up. Is, Is this... Uh, wall, uh, line behind her, kind of like a cliff wall. So that would be a, that is a cliff, a, uh, like yeah. a cliff going up or a cliff going down. Cliff going down. Okay, she actually doesn't want to be there then because someone could. This is off. sort of an overlooking ledge okay, where fat far below and well, not far below, but below and in the distance, you can see the dim lights of the mountain. This is terrible. Tell me about taking cover again. Is that an action? Is that a full action? Uh, no, just if you're behind something. She is going to try to take cover behind this. Is this a st- this is a stone? Is that correct? That's a bush. Okay. Um, the gray ones are stones, so it probably wouldn't give you a ton of cover. Well, even if it just gives me partial cover, she is going to hunker behind this bush. Okay. So she you is, do that. She is close to the ledge, um, but she is at least separated from a lot of the orcs and partially concealed behind a bush. <laughs> Potentially. We'll see. Oh, okay. It is the orc in charge's turn. Okay. Well, if it is his turn, at the start of his turn, he must make a constitution saving throw. I will tell you, this guy looks pretty constitution. I know. Constitution is actually... 15. Yeah, he succeeds. He is still going to take half damage, though. Let me roll that. He takes four radiant damage. Sounds good. Is if, it if, sizzles a little bit. If the orc is a, a shapeshifter, that roll should be with disadvantage. 
This orc sizzles a little bit. But then it throws back its head and lets loose a war cry. And all of the other orcs look emboldened. Oh my gosh, are you savage serious? Savage bellow. Oh my gosh! That's terrifying. And then it is the other... Actually, he is going to... Shift around Carhoon so he's not in the moonbeam anymore. Okay. Because I learned my lesson with the gnolls. <laughs> Get out of that moonbeam. All right. So, looking more and more uh, sort of emboldened by their leader's brazen challenge to you, the orcs are going to attack. This first one rushes up to Carhoon and okay. is going to swing with its axe. It rolls a... Ooh! Yeah. That's going to be a hit. Okay. It's a 23. Yeah, that's a hit. It deals six points of slashing damage to Carhoon. Oh, man. Number two is going to... It's going to stay... Do we have names for these orcs? Do they all have families nope. and loved ones? They do, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> The second and third one, not wanting to crowd too much, are going to throw javelins at Carhoon. The first javelin attack is a... This might not... 17? No, that hits. Carhoon's AC is relatively low, honestly. Oh, I rolled only four points of piercing. Okay. And the second one does uh, sixteen. Oh my gosh, that hits as well. Oof. Four. That's gonna be eight points of piercing as both of their javelins sink in. Carhoon already looks really rough, and this is literally a red one. Carhoon's. Carhoon's got some stuff. These other ones. The fourth one is going to chuck a javelin at you. That's a definite hit. Okay. You take seven points of piercing. And the other one is going to rush up and take a swing with a straight I figured it would. Does the one who threw a javelin at me have disadvantage or something with my partial cover behind this freaking bush? It's got a pretty clear line of sight on you. I ducked down. I'm a short person. I'm only 5'3". Yeah, but look at where the bush is and look at where this one threw the javelin. Oh, okay. You're right. <laughs> ah, Bush, you have betrayed me! And the great axe is also going to be a hit. Oh, of course. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Orcs will be the death of us, as they always happen. I don't know. Pretty good for the damage. It's going to be 13. Are you serious? Yeah. Do you want to kill both Carfoon and Octavia in this one combat. But, um, just so you know, the orcs uh, war bellow gave all of those orcs advantage on their attacks. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yes, but just for that one turn, so that is why it seemed like no one could miss, because they couldn't. basically couldn't. <laughs> okay. But it comes back to Carhoon's turn. He is going to do what he knows best, and he is going to swing again at the orc leader with his gray axe. Okay. 
I rolled a natural seven. Oof, that is going to be a miss. Yeah, I literally rolled a seven last time as well so for a grand oh. total of 13 to hit both I times. I am sorry. I am sorry. Oh, my gosh. I even used different dice. If it makes any difference, that would have hit the other one. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Trying to, you know, cut off the head of the beast. Uh, but that is his turn. So he whiffs it again. What is, is second win an action or a bonus action? Bonus action. All right, it is your turn then. Are you saying that I should use a bonus action? Is that like uh, a DM table talk? Nope, that was just me genuinely asking. Okay, okay. Um, Octavia is going to move the moonbeam to be above both of these orcs. Uh, The main uh, uh, orc in charge as well as the other orc that has come into range with Carhoon. So she moves the moonbeam to be over them and as her, that is her action and as her move action, she is not going to take one because she does not want to incur from the orc that is already threatening her space. That is true. Are you going to remain a human? Or Asimar, excuse me. Um, for the moment, yes, she is going to remain as an Asimar. Oh, Dopley. All right, so the leader of this orc band is going to make a constitution saving throw, I'm assuming. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Frying pan just popped up to the chair next to me and started batting at my dice that were on the table. <laughs> He's like, let me roll. Let me play. Oh, and he has now hunkered down on all of the papers that I had on the table next mm. to me. So I can't cast, I can't look <laughs> up any spells. I'm so sorry. All my spell <laughs> descriptions are underneath this cute baby, and he sleeps here now. Aww. Oh, um, so it's it's the orc chief's turn oh who would have to make a constitution saving throw, but I need you to make a concentration check to keep this moonbeam active because yes. you took damage last round. Yes, yes, yes. So you will need to pass a DC 10 constitution saving throw. And it's, or half damage, whichever is lower or whichever is higher. higher. Okay. Whichever is higher. I rolled a natural 19. Okay, you pass. The moonbeam is active. So this orc rolls a 14. Ugh, he just saves, but he will still take half damage. Orky dorky. Seven is the half damage. Wow, seven's half? It's 2d10. Wow, all right. That's good. That's a good roll. Yeah, I finally rolled well. I rolled very poorly last (laughs) time, so. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Uh, So it it looks a bit more singed than it had been previously. So it is going to, not liking that, it is mm-hmm. going to shift again so it's outside of the moonbeam. Okay. And then it is going to attack Carhoon with his great axe. Okay. Oh, that's good. 12. Oh, thank Absalon above. That is a miss. <laughs> Okie doke. Oh my gosh, he's got them. Oh, he's got the D10 and he's batting it around. I like don't want to stop him because this is really cute, but that D10 has been rolling really well for me. All right, I'm so sorry. The, the kitten has been placated. All right, so this orc war chief swings its axe, but Carhoon dodges nimbly mm-hmm. out of the way. 
The orc behind him is also going to take a swing. Well, if it's the beginning of his turn, he should please make a constitution saving throw as well. Okay. Ooh, this might be a failure. Ten total. Yes! Uh, I'm not excited at all. (laughs) All right, that is only ten radiant damage. I rolled poorly. Ten radiant, ooh. Well, that's still a good hit on that orc. It makes an attack against Carhoon with its axe, but it only rolls a 12 to hit, which I think is a miss. That is a miss. Again, thank Absalom above. Seven on the door. And the other two. The ones that previously had thrown javelins. The ones that had previously thrown javelins. I'm going to, it doesn't note how many javelins they have. I would guess Usually people start with like three, three right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll say three like is good. Three so they're five. both just going to chuck another one. Uh, so number two rolls a, that's a hit. And number three rolls a miss. So that's okay. one hit, one miss. Karun okay. takes another seven points. Sorry, had to math. Seven points of piercing damage. How's Karun looking? He has one hit point left. So not great. Not great at all. Okay. The other orcs, so the two next to you, this one who is right up in your business Mm -hmm. is going to roll to hit you. Okay. Natural one. Uh, Yes! He stabs himself in the eye. So I'm going to guess that is... Not a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that is a proper assumption. I think that technically is a miss. I think technically, okay. you know. Technically. And the other one who threw a javelin at you is going to throw another javelin for a natural three. Oh. I'm assuming that is Not a so miss as a whale. That is a miss as well. Man. All right, that is all of the orcs. It is Carhoon's turn. All righty. He is going to muster inside of himself, feeling himself on the edge of unconsciousness. He is going to reach deep inside of himself, remembering his training, remembering all of the things that he has gone through to uses second wind. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. How many hit points does he get back? He gets back 11 hit points back. Okay. What does he do? So that is a bonus action. Yes. The one, the regular orc, not the leader, is looking very rough. Yeah. So as Carhoon has been twice unsuccessful in hitting the leader, um... You know what? Carhoon feels emboldened. He's going to hit the leader. Okay. For a... Here, I'll natural one. <laughs> okay. So Carhoon was emboldened by this second wind, but unfortunately rolls a crit fail and does not meet... Oh. Does not meet oh. with purchase this orc leader... He should have gone for oh, the little man. guy, but he did not. 
That is rough news for Carhoon. All of these dice are in dice jail. Ah. <laughs> uh. Octavia, it is your turn, unless Carhoon wishes to move or something. No, I think he will stay where he is. I mean, he's kind of, he's flanked by two different people, so Octavia is going to, yeah, as an action, uh, Octavia is going to release her celestial and incorporeal wings and okay. as a bonus action, is going to turn into a giant hyena. A giant hyena? A giant hyena. Okay. Interesting. So there is all of a sudden, so you see you see this humanoid, but she doesn't quite look normal per se. You know, you would look at her and you would not assume that she's human because her dark curly hair just... You know, is constantly moving, is constantly whispering uh, with with spirits from the beyond, and her her electric blue eyes don't have any pupils; they just have giant spheres of blue. And so she, as you're looking at this person, all of a sudden, out of her back springs these these giant wings, these giant glowing celestial wings. And then you're like, whoa! All of this is weird enough. But then she turns into a giant dog. <laughs> it's like, whoa! All of this is strange and new and different. Yeah, the the orc who's right up in melee yeah. range with you, its <laughs> eyes get wide. It's like, oh, what? Okay, uh, do you do anything else? So that's an action, a bonus action. Do you move or do you stay where you are? Um, I'm, I'm going to stay where I am uh, just by essence. I, I don't want to incur and there's nothing really else that she can do. So, so. We come to the chieftain's turn. Oh, man. It is going to take another swing at my dear sweet Carhoon. Okay. With its great axe. That's not good. That's a seven to hit. So I think that's a... Sorry, eight to hit, but I don't think that changes (laughs) anything. That doesn't change it. (laughs) And then uh, it snarls. Then orc... Number one, who is still in the moonbeam, who is also in melee with Carhoon, is going to make a save. Did you take any damage? Uh, no. Thankfully, both of them, both of the orcs who attacked me missed. Oh, that's right. Okay. So. So. Uh, this orc is going to make a constitution saving yes, throw. Yes, please. Twelve. Oh, that is a fail. Alrighty. Roll me some damages. A zero is a ten, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Seventeen radiant damage. Ooh. Seventeen mm-hmm. radiant damage. This thing disintegrates into a pile of dust. Yes! Yes! Moonbeam for the win! The other two orcs seeing this, uh, they are both going to take a step closer. Orcs. Yes, and they're going to both throw their last javelin at Carhoon. Do they have, like, disadvantage if they're throwing through the moonbeam? Because of... Th- no. Oh, okay. No. It's not, like, it's not concealment or anything. It's just a beam of light. Yeah, you would they think that would be hard see to see through it. Oh, okay, okay. That is a two hits. The lower roll is an 18 total. Oh. So I think that's going to do it. Oh, my, my poor friend. My poor elf friend. The first one is four points of damage. Okay. 
And the second one is seven points of damage. Piercing as two more javelins strike into Carhoon, who's probably looking like a pincushion right about now. He does. All right, so what size is a giant hyena? Is it large. medium or large? All right, so you're now... I'm just going to leave. I'm so big! <laughs> this is you are, fantastic. You are big. And you have wings. I have wings. All right, so your giant hyena with celestial wings in front of this orc. So the one who is still up with you is going to make a great axe attack. 17 to hit. That's a hit. Four. <gasps> I rolled maximum damage. Oh, man. So I don't know how many hit points a hyena has, but hopefully they have more than 15. They do indeed. Okay, so it deals you 15 points of slashing damage as it brings its great axe down. And the other one is going to throw its final javelin as well for a 11 to hit, which... That's a miss. Hyena AC. Oh, it flies over the Mm -hmm. edge and falls into the darkness. Or it falls into the monster camp, and you hear, ah! <laughs> Wilhelm scream. Yeah, you, you hear some, like, grung, like, yell or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we come back to the top of the initiative order, and it is Carhoon's turn. And let me ask you, how is Carhoon looking? He has one hit point. Carhoon is looking pretty bad. Carhoon is still with... Uh, in combat yeah. with an orc warchief who is looking fine, and then the two uh, orcs who had been throwing javelins are drawing their great axes and preparing to move forward. I'm going to take control of Carhoon right now. Okay. Because Carhoon, bleeding, bloody, like holding on to consciousness and, and life with his fingertips, he's looking super rough right now. And he's got his great axe gripped in his hand and sweat and blood dripping off his brow. And he turns to you and he says, well, yells over this battle. And he says, Octavia, I may not have been completely honest with you about my past. Oh my gosh. It is true what I told you. I'd been in Montagnon to study the tomb of Belvedere before the howling night occurred. And the city was cursed with lycanthropy, but I may have been dishonest about one thing. I did not leave the city before the curse was released. No! Oh my gosh! And with that, Carhoon's already impressive bulk begins to grow even larger. Ah! His tanned skin begins sprouting tufts of thick brown fur that soon envelops his entire body. Oh my gosh! His face elongates and short rounded ears sprout from his now fur covered skull and his rough elven hands reform into massive paws with enormous pointed claws still gripping this great axe and Carhoon stands before you and you realize that Carhoon Sirius is a werebear And we're going to pick up there at the next episode. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. Goodness gracious. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Okay, sorry, I'll stop now.
<laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, well, closing out this episode, friends, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. A great way for us to grow right now and to reach more people like you is for you to share us with your friends. So please tell your RPG group about us or any of your nerdy friends who you think might be interested. If you want to get in touch with us, please shoot us an email at me, my spouse, and a die at gmail.com or get in touch with us on social media. Our handle is at and a die podcast. We'd love to hear from y'all and we always try to respond to each message we get. Catch y'all next week. Bye.